Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. For those of you who tuned in yesterday, you probably heard a, um, a strange, little strangeness to the program because the editors in our studio had to edit a guest in that we pre-recorded on Friday. They gave us some really good advice, by the way. And also, we used a part of an award-winning documentary called The Cost of Denial, proving scientifically, medically, absolutely, that we were able at the Tri-State Healing Center and 10 years before that, when I was working with one of America's leading uh, physicians treating mainly gays, almost all gays, Dr. Stephen Kaiser, and he called me one day. And he said, can I see? I said, sure. So he came up to my office and he said, look, I listen to him on the radio. I've been listening to you for uh, quite some time on WMCA and then on BAI. Uh, there's some patients I, I don't know what to do, all right? And could you work with them? Maybe it could help them if you help them with their diet, et cetera. And I'm not an expert in that area. I said, sure. And so I was working with about, uh, over a period of 10 years, 800 individuals from his practice. And it was more than just diet. Um, in fact, I did very extensive protocols until every single one of those people returned to good health. But it was also something I've learned to do, and that is don't just give a protocol, give an education. If you just give a person a protocol, then that's the extent of what they know. And how many people really stick to a protocol if they don't understand why? But the average physician, nutritionist, dietitian, they're going to give a protocol, and frequently it's a very good protocol, but they're not taking into account all the variables that the person goes through in their day-to-day life. What if you're at a party? What if you're celebrating and suddenly everyone's drinking alcohol? So you drink alcohol or everyone's eating you know, the pork chops. You eat the pork chops. And it's a day outside and you're not feeling all that great emotionally, so you decide not to work out. You have to take into account the human condition, our emotions, the environment we live in, uh, what we're faced with, our crisis that we frequently keep bottled up, and especially things that we can't control the outcome of. all that's important in understanding how to help a person. And that's why I take hours working with a person. But then that's just the beginning. Then in effect, as I do now, a classroom on the air every day, you can go to Karen All over on Rumble or Odyssey or YouTube, and I don't limit the time. Sometimes I take an hour. But on a given topic, a single topic, and then, then you have more knowledge then if it was just a protocol, I handed on one page to you. You become a student of your own well-being and the choices you're making. Why making some choices are better than making other choices? In any case, uh, that, that was all at the beginning, way back. But now I'm using the same protocols with the same great results. And I want you to be aware that we have a lot of good protocols. For example, when it comes to HIV, there's a brand new study from Florida International University showing that CBD oil, that's your, that's your cannabis oil from cannabis, it's a promising therapy for people living with HIV. While the virus can be controlled and with treatment, it can wreak havoc on the brain and cause problems. Why? Because almost all medicines can't pass the blood-brain barrier, but the virus does. So it becomes a repository for constant inflammation. So you want something that's anti-inflammatory. Well, CBD oil is great 
for turning off inflammation in the brain. It's one of the reasons it helps people with cancer, like glioblastomas, astrocytomas, and seizures. It also helps in the lungs as well. But so too does a healthy diet, because the nutrients from that diet, the polyphenols, the antioxidants, they pass the blood-brain barrier, and they help in there turn down the infection. So this was published in Scientific Reports. So for all of you who know someone who's HIV infected, but otherwise healthy, just understand that you want to get antiviral into the brain and it turns it off, keeps it from replicating. And that's the key. Now, from Medical University of Vienna, which is in Austria, comes a study about a healthy plant-based diet reduces diabetes risk by 24%. Mind you, that's a plant-based diet. And it's now known that 75% of all type 2 diabetes cases could be avoided, prevented, if we adapted a healthy lifestyle. Well, most people don't do that. So I see people when they've not had a healthy lifestyle, put them on a healthy lifestyle, but it's far more than just a plant-based diet, exercise, stress management, proper supplementation, etc. Well, if you can reduce the risk of diabetes by 24% with just the diet, imagine what you could do if you did the other things as well. It just goes to show you that we have so much in our control if we're willing to get out of our comfort zone and change some of our habits. By the way, this was no small study, 113,000 participants in it. Also, Pennsylvania State University found that early childhood fish consumption can protect against neurodevelopment delays. So adding fish to a toddler's repertory of finger foods can help protect them from neurodevelopmental delays, according to this Penn State College of Medicine. And that was children, uh, 142 children from birth to age 18 months, and found that just consuming fish at least once a week reduced the risk of neurodevelopment delays. And intriguingly, the positive influence of fish consumption on neurodevelopment was amplified by a child's microbiome. Now, it may be a surprise to them, but it's no surprise to many of you because twice I did clinical studies with parents uh, we tried it with the children. That didn't work because the children, after one meeting, were just yelling, screaming, bouncing off the walls. The poor parents were so frustrated. I said, so parents, you come and then take what you learn back home. Well, it took uh, three months. That's it, three months. And these were all children diagnosed and under treatment meds with ADD and ADHD or autism. And the very first thing we did was elimination diet, get rid of all and all pro-inflammatory products and material in your, your lifestyle. And then rebuild. You first detoxify, then you rejuvenate. Detoxify and rejuvenate. And in the rejuvenation process, every day, billions of good, healthy bacteria, the probiotics, were put into the child's diet. As one woman said in there, and she said, do you know what it's like when you have a seven-year-old son who has got autism and they scream inconsolably for hours at a time and it's so bad if I take my child out, uh, I get the police called on me because I'm abusing my child and when the police come and I explain this is an autistic child and that's what they do, you know, but I have to do this. I, I, I don't know where to take my child. And then he has diarrhea. He has a yellow diarrhea 
all day long. So I'm constantly have to change his diapers. And she said, I'm, I'm burned out. I'm worn out. I don't know what to do. Within three months of having good, healthy bacteria all day long into that about three times a day, uh, recolonizing the bacteria in the gut by giving methylated B12 and methylated folic acid, folate, at one gram, or one milligram, I should say, which is 1,000 micrograms, by having them on a plant-based diet, by having them on no sugar, no yeast, no allergens, no fried food, no soft drinks, no fructose, no caffeine, normal. And when I say normal, I mean completely normal. I filmed that boy in his home with his mom, playing, talking, no diapers, no diarrhea, no screaming. Now, that was only one person, but then I went ahead and did the same thing for a whole group of autistic children with the similar results. But the kids with ADD, ADD and ADHD, they were normal in about a month. The autistic kids took longer. But so I'm just saying that clean up the diet, recolonize the gut. That's the key. And almost always that's overlooked in mainstream uh, treatment towards children with neurodevelopmental problems. Okay? So just, uh, just some suggestions. Now, from the Sarasota Medical Memorial Healthcare System, an article published in the Journal of Nursing Administration, Transcendental Meditation, TM, Transcendental Meditation, significantly reduced post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety in frontline nurses during COVID-19 pandemic by more than half over a three-month period. This is really important. Again, frontline nurses who learned the, the Transcendental Meditation techniques during the COVID-19 pandemic showed rapid and significant improvements in flourishing, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and burnout over three months compared to controls. So something we should be doing every day. Mindful meditation also works. So these meditations make a huge difference. All right? But you got to give yourself time to do them. you got to... Look, what can I say? I believe that we are not giving ourselves the benefit of a doubt. Most people are good people. Most people have love. They just, they want to simplify their lives. Today, everything is way too complicated. And, but then in come legions of corporate interest and governmental interest and scientific interest, science for hire, to try to fill the gap, to try to, calm our angst with stuff that only makes it worse. Oh, you're really feeling anxious? Take this antidepressant. Take this anti-anxiety medication. Oh, by the way, don't look at the side effects on the label because the number one side effect for depression is more depression. And anxiety is more anxiety. Well, why would you give me a medication, doc, that causes the very symptoms that I'm suffering from? Shouldn't you talk with me about what's wrong in my life? I don't have time for that. Your six minutes are up. Here's your prescription. This, this can't keep going on. It's a problem within a problem. So there's no solution unless you open the door and choose another approach to all of our issues. 
And we're not giving ourselves time. We're not seeking quality space. We're not spending more time in nature. We're not giving the love and attention that dogs and cats and birds deserve and give us 10 times more in return. We've got to slow down. And we're not doing it. Just a suggestion. So anyhow, if you do that and you add in a healthy diet and exercise, then you're going to be not aging prematurely. You're aging normally. You're going to look half the age of someone who is living the so-called normal American life. Too much stress ages you really rapidly. And it's a major killer that we don't pay attention to and we should. And finally, from Weifang Medical University in China, an article published in PLOS One, light therapy can improve symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. Yes. Light therapy leads to significant improvements in sleep and psychobehavior symptoms for patients with Alzheimer's disease. That is really important. See, the cognitive decline associated with Alzheimer's disease is often accompanied by sleep disturbances and psychobehavioral symptoms, including apathetic and pharmacological therapy that uses light therapy to stimulate the the CN C excuse me SCN that's a uh, that's a, a sleep modulator in the brain. And despite light therapy receiving increasing attention as a potential intervention for Alzheimer's, a systematic evaluation of its efficacy and safety has been unavailable. Well, in the new study, researchers uh, studied multiple uh, databases to identify all the randomized controlled trials out there related to light therapy, and there's lots of them. None of them given any attention. And they found that there's a definite association between light therapy and dementia. There's 15 high-quality trials available and relevant outcomes. So, so if you want to know about light therapy, there's lots of different types of light therapy. And I've been advocating light therapy for the last 40 years. So find a good quality light therapy and use it because it can definitely help you improve sleep, but also it helps you with psychobehavioral symptoms and Alzheimer's and dementia. And there's no side effects. So that's the best that we can do. And also from Lund University in Sweden, oat oil, something new, brand new, oat from oats, contains more fat than other cereals, and oat oil has a unique composition. And uh, it shows a special oat oil that uh, produces greater satiety. And that's one of the reasons when you're having a normal breakfast, you're getting all refined carbohydrate. If you have a steel-cut oatmeal, the one you actually have to cook for a little bit, like five minutes, and it gets very thick, that gives you more oil. And that amount of oil also impacts your hormones, creates satiety so you feel full longer and are less likely than to get uh, hungry and start eating some foods that's not healthy. So, But the oil itself is also very important in overall health. That's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall, talking on the telephone and hopefully our service through Verizon to all the thousands of people had their service knocked out in mid-Manhattan, as we did. 
So we can't be broadcasting nor- normally over the Internet, so we're doing it by telephone. So yeah, you'll still be able to understand it. I'm sure everything I'm saying. Hopefully we'll be back to normal broadcasting tomorrow. I want to share a clip with you. This clip is important for two reasons. One, because one of the brightest medical doctors and scientists that I've ever met is going to tell you about his concerns, and then he dies. Dies, we don't know what from. Um, was it a heart attack? We haven't seen any, any uh, proof of his actual cause of death. But what was interesting, and this could be purely a coincidence, just before his death, and I mean just before his death, he was announcing he was going to break brand new information on uh, why there was criminal behavior involved with the COVID-19 vaccine development and implementation. But again, I have no proof that, that there was any untoward or nefarious reasons for his death. By the way, I first met him, I'm guessing about 20 years ago, when one of Canada's leading MD, PhDs, and the founder of the uh, Orthomolecular Society uh, called me and said, I have a person that's looking at your results and would like to and, and would like to talk with you. And I said, fine. And so Dr. Abram Hoffer, who I knew very well, spent many hours at the Institute of Applied Biology in my laboratory talking, going over research. And uh, he brought him over one day. He was a young guy. And he was very, very orthodox, very pro-vaccine. But he was interested in how I got the results when other doctors weren't able to get the same results. And so we had a long talk. In fact, it was almost... He came over around 9 o'clock at night, and it was probably 3 in the morning, at which I frequently work through much of the night, and going over everything. Then I didn't hear from him for a long time. And then I lectured once in Canada, and he was at the lecture. And then last time I heard from him, where he wanted to know more information about the safety and efficacy of all vaccines, something that he said no scientist has actually taken the time to really look at all the information, including the toxicological uh, data. And I gave it to him. How many of the articles he read, I don't know. But here is his last statements before he died recently. And I think it's important you hear what he has to say, because this is a pro-Orthodox, board-certified physician and scientist who then had the entire scientific and medical community uh, attack him because he stepped out of line told the truth. Everything he's telling is absolutely factually accurate. Now to the clip. My name is Dr. Andrew Molden. I'm an MD-PhD physician scientist here in Canada. And uh, July 1st of last year, 2008, I took all these years of my academic training and realized that the system within which I'm working is causing more harm than good. And I realized this training I could no longer use to go out and provide the health care that I've been trained to do because I recognize the means by which we are doing it as causing more harm than good. Western-based medical practices is now the number one cause of death and disease amongst our population and all the physicians know this. My background training has been quite eclectic. I attended six different academic institutions, universities across Canada, uh, natural sciences, engineering, Research Council of Canada Scholar, 
Ontario Mental Health Foundation Scholar, Ontario Graduate Scholar, uh, 27 awards for academic and research excellence over the course of all these years of academia to arrive at the point where I truly was seeking to help understand what causes disease. So consider the analogy as like uh, by a car dealer analogy. Say, for example, your grandmother who develops cancer and she ends up passing away despite the best efforts of Western medicine. You will say that it's unfortunate for grandma. We, we did all that we Western medicine could do. Uh, you did the cut, you did the surgery, you did the burn, the radiotherapy, and you did the poison, the drugs, and she still did not survive. But then you can walk away figuring that you did all that you could. But did you really? Because what has evolved here is kind of like uh, car sales relative to monopolizing the medical model that we have. So you have many different people out there who sell cars. You can drive down a street, you can see Chrysler dealer on one side, a Saturn on another, a Ford on this side, Chevrolet on the other side, and you have all these options. And options are good in society because you can choose which option best fits your style and your choice and your driving needs. But when the healthcare system over the course of the last hundred years or so has become progressively and progressively more monopolized, the American Medical Association, in league with the Pharmaceutical Advertising Board, has serially taken out its competition. Eclectics, uh, uh, herbologists, naturopaths, chiropractors, they've all been single-handedly targeted by this system, which now has you driving down the streets. And all you have a choice of buying today are Mustangs. And when you only can buy a Mustang and you don't have access or paid access to these alternatives, then all you really know is that Mustangs is all you ever have to, to go solve your problems. But if you take that Mustang four-wheeling and you come back and it starts falling apart, you'll say, oh, well, it's too bad. I did all that I could with my Mustang, but it fell apart. That's no different from the analogy with your grandmother who passed away because all you knew is that you had asked us Mustangs and you gave a Mustang when you needed an SUV. And when they take all the SUVs away, you never know what you're missing. So this is where you've ended up at and this is where we're headed. And this is a serious problem because the right to choose what goes in your body to direct your own health care belongs to the citizens of the state. The state has no right in the name of whatever sort of greater good they want to say to dictate what goes into an individual's body. And that same logic rationale is what's made you all sick because the state, by saying in order to be a member of society, our science says you have to have these vaccines. Well, now we've created for you conclusively to see that this whole science that they used was a lie across the planet for everybody, incontrovertible. They will sink them in court, and now we have the evidence available for you to see for yourself and make your own conclusion because they have used science now as a method and a means to go tell you, leave the science to scientists. Well, science is only a mathematical probabilistic model that uses probabilities and the truth can be hidden in the design and analysis as much as it can be presented to you. Science is only a man-made tool and science today in contemporary society has become much like Latin was in the dark ages where we had people going to the churches and sitting in the pews listening to the priests give the, the liturgies in a language that the, the population had no understanding of what's going on but they figured that's our connection to God so we'll sit here. Well science has become the same ruse that in science is only a tool, a man-made tool, it's not the end all to uh, truth. In fact scientific methods can just as much con convince you that your own nose does not belong attached to your face uh, and convince you with science that does not. 
We have now created the evidence where you can see for yourself. Science cannot convince you that what you see with your own naked eyes is not true. And when you see the same common neurological damages after these vaccinations for everybody, then you've got a serious problem that science cannot answer it. Science is in the measurement. Science is in the statistical manipulation. Science is in the data analysis. And science is in the restrictive criteria by which people conclude in our scientific studies. And more so, science loses its ability to find truth when they do not control for extraneous variables outside there that also contribute to the outcome measures they are using. All of these things combined. And with the global rationale, they want to sell you these darn products, whether they're pharmaceuticals, whether they are vaccinations, whether they are the latest, greatest drug they come up with in order to market new things to you. Um, they will use science to their advantage. They have more money than the rest of the population does. They will corrupt the system. They will actually get their stuff out there, market, market, market. The entire Western-based mo medical model and implementation, especially with direct-to-consumer advertising, has become more like a Donald Trump apprentice wannabe uh, bunch of individuals running around marketing products directly to the doctor's office wearing pretty business suits and colorful graphs and giving free samples. And the whole system now is being capitalized on commercialism and marketing more so than the science itself. But they say it's science. When you can now see that they have told you, ask your doctor, the science, listen to the science. We know the science more so than you. They have perpetrated. They have violated. They have caused greater harm on this planet in the history of recorded history of mankind to mankind that now is incontrovertible. Once you grasp that simple fundamental concept, and the vaccinations are only one spoke in this wheel, to see this has happened to your children. This has happened to your teenage girls. This has happened to your heroes in your military. This has happened to your adult population going down to becoming demented. This happened to all of you. You now realize this whole science ruse that they've been giving you is a ruse, nothing to put money in the pockets of those who are capitalizing on your sickness and maintaining your sickness, and this has to stop. But the only way you will be able to extract yourselves from this oppression that we are all in, and the physicians are stuck in this same medical model as the patients we are trying to protect and heal. Until you become aware, until you understand, until you take the time to go learn for yourself that everything they have said is a lie and is wrong and based on science, that if science has been telling you all along about these vaccines is 100% safe for you, you can take them, and we show you, you can see for yourself, it's caused all these problems then everything else they use science as a tool to go tell you, leave the science to scientists, is out the window. And that means it's a blank slate, a tabula rasa, upon which we have to rebuild everything. You have to tear these walls down, this whole industry has to fall, and you've got to take back control from the very beginning and go find out what helps you naturally. Because they've used the same science to say all these natural health products you have access to are, are bad for you. Well, I can tell you this. There's not one instance in the history that I know of over the last thousand years how many natural health products have killed people. Good luck to find some evidence for that. So when they're now passing laws in our state to say that you know you can only have access to natural health products by prescription alone, that's an industry monopolizing further to sell you even more fine-tuned versions of the, 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 the Mustangs that they want to sell you. You've got to stop this. And if you do not stop this, 
then you are all destined to remain sick from your cancers to your dementias to your learning disabilities to your chronic illnesses and you are basically doing nothing more than supporting an industry that likes you sick because you have to buy only their product. And just to show you that he was not far off base here, this is the latest. This is just out uh, uh, this, this week. This is from The Telegraph. Quote, one in four who had Moderna or Pfizer vaccine vaccines experience unintended immune responses. Quote, more than a quarter of people injected with the RNA COVID vaccine suffered an unintended immune response created by a glitch in the way the vaccine was read by the body, a study has found. Okay. Well, once again, they did the experiment on over 5 billion people, and now they're seeing the adverse consequences. So people were used as human guinea pigs, unfortunately, regrettably. So just want to share that with you. This is what goes on behind the doors. The media will not touch this, and it shows what is happening that we're all experiencing now. The massive amount of uh, migrants coming into the United States, upwards of 12,000 per day. They're flooding the sanctuary cities, but also everywhere that they can go, they're going. And unfortunately, this is just overwhelming all of our social systems, our schools, our hospitals, um, even in New York City. Look at what's happening when you have no more room to put the people coming because people never thought through this before they said, open the borders, we don't care who comes through, but how about all the terrorists that are coming through? How about all the... How about all the countries that see that they have no problem coming in and can create another 9-11? How about all the sex trafficking? How about the cartels who are controlling people coming across? If they can't pay the cartels fees, which are thousands of dollars, they then become indebted to the cartels. Cartels have thousands of people planted all over the United States where they operate these uh, child sex rings and, and, uh, the, the cartel has all the biometrics on the people, so if they don't adhere to what they're told when they get in the United States, if they don't do the drugs, they don't do the sex, if they don't do the, the crime, then their families back home get killed. I mean, does anyone stop for a moment and think, you can't just open up every, our borders and expect no adverse consequences, but they do it for political and ideological reasons only, just to win an election. They don't care about the outcome. Well, hold these people accountable for crimes against humanity, because that's what's happening now. In any case, finally, behind the scenes, we found the clip where, under oath, Mayorkas, who's visibly shaken after a legislator Clay Higgins unleashes questions upon him. This is the guy supposed to be handling all of our stuff who's been lying nonstop. we got it under control. They've got nothing under control. And as a result... Think of all the crimes, think of all the problems, and think of the abuse that people come here because we caused the crisis in their own countries that led to them having to come to another place. And then who wouldn't come to a place if you're given all that they were given without a hassle rather than staying in their own country? Why don't we work with the countries they're coming from? Oh, I forgot. In Europe, we, we destroyed Libya and Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. So yeah, now we know a lot why millions and millions of people are fleeing into Europe. 
that should have stayed in their own country had we actually helped that country instead of destroying it. So you've got to look at all parts of this puzzle before you understand we've got a problem. But the people who said, come to us for political reasons, like in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta. Well, what are you going to do now? Let's hear what they have to say under oath. I now recognize Mr. Higgins from Louisiana. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, you stand in your testimony today regarding operational control of our southern border, which by any reasonable man's definition has certainly been lost. You're standing on a word in the, in the legislation that gave birth to the specific law saying all illegal crossings and no one's ever. We'll take a drip. America be okay with that? Would you and your execution of your inaugurated president's policy have given America a flood? We've identified over 11 laws that you violated. Some of the most egregious, the Secure Fence Act, 2006, concerning operational control. Immigration Nationalization Act 236, Section C8, U.S. Code 1226, concerning detention. INA 241, Section A2, U.S. Code 81231, concerning detention. Immigration and Nationalization Act, Section D5, Alpha, 8 U.S. Code 1182, concerning parole. We've given you ample opportunity to, to, to seek some sort of honorable exit from your executive position, sir. We take no pleasure in witnessing you dismantle yourself as a fellow American before the whole country. Your legacy, millions of illegals enter our country, millions under your watch, loss of operational control of our border, aligning DHS policy as an asset to Mexican cartel drug and human trafficking, the disintegration of our national sovereignty, destruction of countless thousands of Texas family lives, overwhelming crime waves sweeping across our country, over a million criminal runners you call gotaways, flooding into America, many carrying backpacks loaded with deadly fentanyl and meth, or herding teenage girls into prostitution, sex slave networks across America. 225,000 Americans dead from Mexican cartel drug overdose since you took office two years ago. You and your inaugurated president, but mostly you, sir, because you have your whole mind about you, and you have a highly decorated background in border operations, so you're supposed to be the expert. You, sir, are the Secretary of Homeland Security, who has failed in your sworn oath to protect our nation from invasion. You had an obligation to execute the president's policies or advise the president if his policies were bringing injury to America. Ultimately, your oath requires you to secure our nation's sovereign border with Mexico and do anything necessary 
to stop the Mexican cartels from trafficking endless wave upon human wave of illegals into America, along with miserable death, unspeakable grief, graveyards filled from sea to shining sea with the bodies of American sons and daughters, dead from fentanyl. You've brought generational trauma upon our country. I believe history will witness your era of service as a transitional time in our country. Well, what was America like before Secretary Mayorkas, and what was America like after him? It's stunning that you could sit there and, and smugly grin as if you've not miserably failed your country. We could give you money to, to hire a thousand new border agents. Nobody wants to work for you. They're coming forth. We can't keep up with the whistleblowers that are coming to testify against your command. We could give you money to deploy all sorts of new technology. I have evidence in my file that you've given command to not deploy technology that you currently have because it interfered with the cartel's business model. We're done, done, done with your lies to America. It's shameful what you brought upon our country. Mr. Chairman, I have no interest in asking the Secretary any questions. Mr. He obfuscates and lies. Mr. Chairman. I yield. And by the way, I'll play you more of these clips because I've got a lot of them because we're watching all these uh, Senate and the House hearings every day. And by the way, there's one person out there who seems to get the big picture now and is speaking up. Easier for him to say what he has to say about what is right and what is wrong in our world today. He's Neil Oliver, a Scottish uh, philosopher and historian, and now he's sharing his thoughts on uh, uh, television over in Great Britain. Let's hear what he has to say. I received this letter this week from a viewer in the Netherlands about her experience of the past three years and how much she came to count on independent media online. Quote, it's been a strange, scary, but also wondrous journey for me, she wrote, and at times I really felt like I was losing my marbles. Finding those voices online has helped me immensely in keeping myself grounded just by knowing I wasn't the only one seeing what I thought I was seeing. Oddly enough, it was finding those voices that made me give myself permission to trust my intuition. Looking back, I wonder why and how I ever became that person that doubted their own judgment. Trusting myself made me refuse the vax and not participate in the QR code for admission foolery. I'm so grateful I did and relieved I'll never have to look back and feel ashamed for not sticking to my principles. Amen to all that, sister. With those words in mind, I want to start by offering some early Christmas cheer, and if not cheer exactly, encouragement to those who've spent years putting up with the dog's abuse for standing in the face of ruthless and relentless state propaganda and lies. Propaganda and lies that are still pushed now. If I could take my most sincere love and admiration and put it in a big red box tied with a golden bow, it would go first and foremost to all those who found their voices and spoke. 
I raised the next of several glasses to those who said no to the Covid jabs, products pushed by the unholy alliance of governments and Big Pharma and cheered on by supine media flat on its face and crawling in hope of reward. We were right, every one of us, who started with a simple no thank you towards those jabs and then, in the face of non-stop bullying, ridicule, hatred, exclusion from here, there and everywhere, inability to travel and finally loss of employment and kept going with our efforts to keep safe ourselves and infinitely more important, our children. To all those I say, we were right and that that simple knowledge must be its own reward for there will be no other on account of the fact that no good deed ever goes unpunished. We were right, you were right. A war was waged against you, it's still being waged, but you, outnumbered and embattled, have won that war in every way that matters, regardless of what might happen next. Standing ground and holding firm when every evil trick in the book was pulled, eagerly aided and abetted by that mainstream media, quote, it's time to punish Britain's five million vaccine refusenics, remember that one, and countless comments online calling for the unjabbed to be held down in the street and dealt with, refused medical care. Shrugging all that off and keeping on was a damn tough bullet to chew, but you did it and you were right. We are right. By now the AstraZeneca offering, pumped into countless millions of arms, has been withdrawn and labelled defective. And the state of Texas is suing Pfizer. Imagine that. Texas is one of only two US states with a population in excess of 30 million, the size of a medium country. And the state prosecutor there is taking Pfizer to court, alleging, amongst much else, that their jab pushed into billions more arms around the world was, get this, just 0.85% effective against COVID. Less than 1%, for God's sake. And that's without getting into the deaths and harms undeniably resultant from all those products marketed and pushed as vaccines. Pfizer, now accused of misleading the people, long ago admitted they didn't test to see if their product would stop the passing of COVID from person to person because they weren't asked to. And yet safe and effective was the mantra of all mantras. Take this now or you'll be murdering granny. Safe and effective, eh? Ho, ho, ho. All those months when just mentioning the jabs in a negative light was like saying Voldemort's name out loud when independent media channels faced censure and worse just for asking questions about them. And now here we are, the AstraZeneca jab is withdrawn and called defective and Pfizer are being sued by the state of Texas. All those accusations of misinformation, disinformation and malinformation levelled at anyone who so much as put their hand up and asked a question. And yet even now, with Pfizer in court, CEO Albert Burla's empty boasting of 95% effectiveness for his company's product is still out there, officially unchallenged, no apologies for false claims. And with endless testimony from the likes of Joe Biden on down, still chanting the safe and effective nonsense. We know now that when Big Pharma found itself with lakes of unsold product in the face of what they called hesitancy, Biden's White House told Big Tech to silence any questioning of the jabs and Google and Facebook and others obliged. We know this. We can say this now without fear of contradiction. Those who stood and continue to stand in the face of all that, I raise a glass to you and with you and wish you good cheer. To those of you who called out in the face of more propaganda, the war in Ukraine, another raised glass. It was about saving democracy, we were told. It was nothing to do with NATO expansion, we were told. Putin had to be stopped in the Ukraine or he would invade the rest of Europe, we were told. 
There was nothing useful to know about the story of Russia and Ukraine before Russian military crossed the border on the 24th of February 2022. Open brackets. Don't mention the coup d'etat engineered by the US in 2014 when a democratically elected pro-Moscow president was ousted in favour of a pro-Washington offering, followed by the better part of a decade of murderous attacks on Russian citizens of the Donbass. Close brackets. There might have been an early end to the ugliness, but our own former Prime Minister Boris Johnson was dispatched by NATO to scupper the fledgling peace deal. And so the corpses of more than half a million Ukrainian and Russian men, women and boys are cold now in Ukrainian clay. To all those who had questions about all that from the start, who wanted to know more about Ukraine and its tortured history, about Nazis and Baba Yar, about how much money was made by arms manufacturers that lobby ceaselessly and successfully for war without end, about blatant corruption that sees billions made while millions die, to all those who had questions about all of that and thought it better to ask them than to stay quiet while generations were harvested like grass, to all those I say, you were right. To those who look on helplessly at horror heaped upon horror in the Middle East, that benighted so-called Holy Land. To those whose stomachs are turned and hearts broken by unspeakable, unforgiven evil visited upon women and children and just want it all to stop, I say you're right to keep speaking up. I remember the line from the Talmud, he who saves one life saves the world entire. To those who watch slaughter far away, slaughter that only brings the, slot of the threat of slaughter closer to our undefended borders, to troubled communities shaken and stirred here at home, I say, keep asking why it must always be this way. I say that now, right now, asking questions is more important than ever, because always underlying all the most obvious, malevolent and manipulative manoeuvrings, the horror shows that boil the blood, simmers another narrative of a quite different sort. It's the Rome to which all twisted roads lead and which more than any other will be our undoing if we don't see it for what it is, the so-called climate crisis. And while we're deliberately distracted by all the rest, by pandemic, by missold medical products, by politicians' lies, by war, by atrocity, we are bled of all our freedoms and rights and it's those wounds that will hurt us most of all. To all those who use their voices to question the suicide note that is net zero and do so in the face of ridicule and condemnation, we know that we, the human species, are the carbon to be reduced. I salute you too. Last week, the front pages of the Relic Media were lit up by the revelation that in November, during a video call with a former UN Special Envoy for Climate Change, Sultan Al-Jaber of the United Arab Emirates, President of COP28 and Chief Executive of UAE state oil company Adnoc, said there was no science indicating a phase-out of fossil fuels is needed to restrict global heating to 1.5 degrees centigrade and that to take away oil and gas would take the world back into caves. The Sultan's remarks sparked outrage from the usual suspects, but his choice of words was important. Back into caves. Out of the mouths of babes and sultans, it turns out, comes truth. Those dismissive of any crisis suspect the intention of the suicide note of net zero is precisely, as Al-Jaber says, to so impoverish the developed industrialised West that a new dark age ensues, global neo-feudalism that will see a tiny group of unimaginably wealthy people reign over the billions as we scrabble for scraps. Look around now as the nights draw in, as they always do at this time of year in the north, and the sun is absent and the wind doesn't blow, and know that turbines and solar panels ain't going to cut it for the peoples of the northern hemisphere. 
Know too that claims of climate crisis are the stick with which we are beaten into submission to digital IDs and programmable tokens in place of the freedom to save or spend our earnings as we see fit without the surveillance and permission of the state. To all those who know this, who've been speaking out about this for years, I say your voices are more powerful than perhaps you know. Here's the thing, as the author of the letter I quoted at the top makes clear, even in the darkest of times, we should know we are on a wondrous journey. And the truth is that more and more fellow travellers are joining every day. The more you speak, the easier it becomes to say more. I say, no, you are right. Don't doubt that you are right. And here's Senator Rand Paul challenging a State Department official. But what's important about what this state <laughs> Uh, I couldn't believe this. Again, this is under oath. This is not making the news, and for good reason. This guy looks like a complete idiot because he's suggesting we've got to fight the war in, uh, in Iran. Uh, excuse me, in, in Ukraine, and because well, it's good for the economy. He actually is saying this. So, five hundred thousand dead young Ukrainian men and women. That's not important. The complete destruction of their country, that's not important. But making sure that weapons that we sell keep the weapon industry alive and prosperous, that's important. Wow. And so last week, when every single member of the United Nations Security Council asked for a ceasefire, demanded a ceasefire in Gaza, the United States vetoed it and said no. We don't want a ceasefire in Gaza. We don't want a ceasefire in Ukraine. We don't want a cessation of the hostilities in Ukraine. Now, this is what they're telling you. You don't have to be, you know, um, uh, anti-war to appreciate this, but hear it from him directly. Go to the clip. Senator Rand Paul questioned a State Department representative regarding the conflict between Russia and Ukraine during today's Senate Foreign Relations Committee meeting. Senator Paul. I think it's easy to look around the world and find places where the U.S. taxpayer can be asked to send money to fix the world's problems, but there is an important question we might want to ask before we start sending $100 billion more. Where are you going to get it? You know, we don't have any money. Every bit of our tax revenue goes to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and food stamps. Those four programs consume all of our tax revenue. Everything else is borrowed. In fact, the entire discretionary budget right now is being borrowed. We borrowed a trillion dollars in the last three months. Interest rates are, have doubled. Interest payments have doubled. So you can have all this goodwill and try to fix the world's problems, but you're ignoring the rot and ruin you're creating in your own country. Mr. O'Brien, in Russia's weakened state, it's tempting to forget that they are a nuclear power. But I think our foreign policy decisions need to take into account the dangers of war escalating in Ukraine. As Harvard's Graham Allison points out, Senator Rand Paul is a sane voice in the room full of insanity. We need many people like Rand Paul in the Senate. If Putin is forced to choose between humiliating defeat on the one hand and escalating the level of destruction, there's every reason to believe he chooses the latter. There's a great deal of evidence that the war in Ukraine has come to a stalemate. Even Ukraine's commander-in-chief of the armed services has admitted as much. In Graham Allison's view, the Ukraine war has escalated far enough to see how bad things would become if we end up in a world where nuclear weapons are used. Allison believes 
that where we are now, both for Putin's Russia and for the Biden-led U.S. and the Western alliance, it's time to search for an off-ramp for all the parties. What is being done at the State Department to search for an off-ramp? Thank you, Senator. Uh, a few points. I mean, I can speak to the foreign policy implications. My belief is if we don't stand with Ukraine now, we'll be spending much more on defense in the future. Did anyone ever think that Ukraine could defeat Russia? It's militarily impossible. Um, and much of this supplemental goes to reinvest in the United States. So far from rotten ruin, we're actually shoring up the foundations in our energy sector, as Assistant Secretary Pyatt. So your argument is that war and funding war around the world is good for our armaments industry? I'm saying this supplemental is good for our economy. For the, for the armaments industry. I, I, so really, it's a justification of war. To me, that's sort of reprehensible. The idea that, and this is coming from my side as well, oh, glory be, the war is really not that bad. Broken windows are not that bad because we pay people to fix them. Broken countries are not so bad because, hey, look, the armaments industry is going to get billions of dollars out of this. Yeah. I think that's a terrible argument. I wish y'all would say maybe there's a, you know, go back to your freedom argument or something. But the idea that you're going to enrich the armaments manufacturers, I think, is reprehensible. Well, Senator, I'm not making the argument war is good. I'm making the argument in this case war is necessary. And that we can make a little profit on the side. It's not so bad since the armaments guys will make a lot of profit on this. Right? No, Senator, I think you're proposing a kind of false choice that I either have to say that or say nothing. The righteous indignation of this delusional and dangerous State Department official is astounding. What I'm saying is that our economy rests on a foundation of innovation, and in this supplemental, we're investing in our energy sector, as but you just since heard the money's borrowed, we're money. borrowing the money. We don't have it. We don't have a pot of money. So what you're arguing is, in essence, that we borrow the money from China, we send it to Ukraine, Ukraine sends it back to buy arms from us, and that's a win-win. How do we win when we're borrowing money to pay people? See, this is this sort of false sort of argument that, oh, well, look, we'll create five jobs for every dollar we spend, but we're borrowing the money. It doesn't make any sense. It's coming from somewhere where it would be in a productive use to where it's into the uh, use of uh, basically fomenting a war and continuing in a war. No, that's not the choice in front of us, Senator. And I'm sorry that you feel you know, that that's the way you want to frame it. The choice in front of us is do we invest in the capacities that allow this war to be won? Those include capacities in energy, in defense, in IT. In they the, include in the, in the original question, let's get away from funding the armaments people. Uh, you know, I'm not for that. But the original question is, what are you doing to develop an off-ramp? You know, when I listen to your presentations, it sounds like the Department of War. I don't hear the Department of Diplomacy in front of me. These are called feel-good meetings. Good folks like Rand speak the truth. Try and hold people accountable, actually trying to get a cost of action. And then the ilks of Lindsey Graham, Moscow Mitch, Biden, and 80% of Congress will make damn sure the status quo continues. Where are the diplomats? Is anybody talking about negotiation? Yeah. Do, you do you really believe that Russia, uh, that Ukraine's going to push Russia out of... Uh, out of Ukraine. They're going to push them out of Crimea, push them out of the east, and that Zelensky's position, we will not negotiate till they're gone from Ukraine. I've tried to present information that gives us a sense of pause, to stop and think about things that are happening every day that we're not voicing our concern about to our legislators. The crimes and corruption of our government, of corporate interest, and the complete capitulation of the media to the special interest groups. Who's looking after you? Who's looking after the average American? And shouldn't we be 
standing up and allowing the silent majority to find its voice and speak out on these issues. That's why I continue to bring a diversity of ideas so that we can be emotionally, physically, environmentally, spiritually healthy and not just wait for someone to fix our problems without realizing they also first caused them. Tonight, the Progressive Commentary Hour, you won't want to miss it. Really powerful show. 7 o'clock. So go to prn.live at 7 p.m. to hear the Progressive Commentary Hour. Have a nice day, everyone.